We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good! Oh, oh, my throat is going. Oh, okay. Sorry for that. It's the beginning of the week. Good morning. <laughs> James, sometimes sometimes I'm not used to it. I got to warm up beforehand sometimes. I didn't warm up, and I couldn't get out the good morning. But good morning to everyone. Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS Free Game Show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed. Blender HD, if you want to follow me on Twitter. And it's Monday. It's Monday, November 21st. And although James is laughing at me, uh, you know what we do on, on Mondays? It's alliteration, Mondays with McCool. We're joined by James McCool from Pay Dirt DFS, the co-author with me on the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. Give me those thummy thumbs in the in the chat. I'm, I'm warmed up now, James. I'm warmed. I'm warmed up now. I had, I had a good weekend. Maybe I was I was partying too much over the weekend, which my version of partying is doing nothing. Yeah, I mean your version of partying is is making some amount of ROI, whether it be one percent or four percent or whatever. Uh, yeah, I um, I totally feel you that uh, you know today requires warm up, especially with the uh, with the World Cup happening right now. This is like your Super Bowl, so. You care a lot about this, and I'm sure that that's the reason why your uh, your good morning was so screwed up this morning was that you're just so stoked to be dealing with soccer lineups in the World Cup uh, that you you just kind of didn't have it this morning. Guess what time I woke up? What time did you wake up? 7.15 a.m. That's incredible. I didn't even know that you knew what 7.15 a.m. was. I did not. I, I, I didn't. I, I looked up. I'm like, oh, well, the, the sun is Sun isn't even out yet. <laughs> I typically I wake up and it's bright. It's bright as the morning, bright as the afternoon, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm dead in World Cup this morning, for the large field at least, because uh, two guys scored two goals and I I don't have either of them. So yeah, yeah. so I'm yeah. just gonna be hoping to min cash, hoping to get my cash games good. Uh, but I did have a good weekend. Uh, James, did you see what happened with MMA over the weekend? I did. Hey, look at that. Who who would have thought that DraftKings would implement like late swap the week that late swap is actually a necessary piece of things? And then not only have that, but screw up the way that late swap would be happening the first weekend that it was necessary. 
But I, um, I did I did pretty good though on the first late swap slate. I'm trying to find it on my. Uh, what? How do I sort by a lot of money on on, on the DraftKings screen? I don't know, man. UFC. Let's see. Uh, I'll find it somewhere. Whatever. Oh, there we go. The knockout. First, first, first uh, slate of late swap, and uh, I used it and uh, won thirty thousand dollars. There you go. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. We'll take that. But it, it it's amazing. It's amazing. Late swap sucks for everyone. Yeah. Right. It it's uh, it it bleeds your ROI for people that just never will use it unless someone was injured or whatever. I'm swap. I I played eight lineups. Someone asked me, uh, was this your original lineup? I probably not. I swapped my eight lineup so many times. I don't know what, what I started with necessarily. Yeah. Uh, uh, but of course, the first slate, the main event gets canceled halfway through the card. And you know now, especially with the main event beforehand, projected owned, the main event was going to be like 75, 80% owned. It ended yeah. up being 9%. Because people didn't swap off of it to get zeros, but uh, after that, you know they they ain't ever going back, and that sucks. It happens two or three times a year, and it just so happens on the first slate, and then they screw up late. And then the thing is, minus five thousand caches for DraftKings screws up late swap, even when it no matter what would have happened. Yeah, if no fight got canceled, it probably would have gotten screwed up, but they screwed it up. Uh, I ended up with two of my entries, two of my eight, getting refunded because I swapped onto the the, the unlocked fight yeah. that supposedly they shouldn't have unlocked, even though the fight didn't even start yet and was still 20 minutes to go before it started. But apparently between a 15-minute window, they unlocked this fight. I thought, James, it was the right thing to do. Not the right thing to refund, the right thing to, to unlock it. You know why? Because at that point, what they were doing with the swaps is every 20 minutes they had a fight locked, even though like the fights don't start like that. Mm -hmm. Like it really should be 25 or 30 minutes in between fights. So I was constantly monitoring what fight was getting locked in advance while I'm mm -hmm. watching the card to go, okay, what information do I know? And oh, okay, the fight next is getting locked now, even though, this fight, the fighters are just entering the ring. Uh, what do I do? And then once I know a score of this fight, I'm like, okay, what fight gets locked next? And I mm -hmm. keep on doing that. Uh, but then once it got to the fight cancellation, that was the main card only had five fights on it. And I was playing a lot of fighters that were on the main card, which means once there are only four main card fighters, all of the prelims were locked. Even though there yeah. were two fights to go, those two fights were, were were locked already. You couldn't swap to them. You couldn't swap off of them. So I'm sitting there with lineups that have four fighters from five fighters from the main card. And one of them is the canceled fight. So I'm like, well, now what do I do? I got to stack a fight now because there's no other options for me. So I'm sitting here going, this sucks. Now, this is obviously not a good solution. So two of my lineups I had like that. We yeah. only had one fighter that had a score. So I'm sitting there going, okay, I guess I'll I'll guess I'll stack the the Kudalaba Kennedy and Jekwu fight. And then I go back to check like five, ten minutes later, and I saw in a Discord, like, oh, they unlocked the Johnson Zuma Gulaw fight. 
I'm like, oh, good thing they did because now at least people could swap onto stuff without yeah. having to snap. Yeah. So I swapped those those two lineups. I swapped to the one to Johnson, one to Zumagulov, just to not have a stacked fight. And uh, and yeah, they refund. One of them didn't cash, and I got refunded. And one of them two x my money, and I got refunded for that. So actually, I broke even, <laughs> right? Because the one lineup that wouldn't have cashed at all, and then one two x mm-hmm. it works from there. It was a cl- it was a cluster. I. Uh- I mean, it, it was it was always going to be that they screwed something up here. I, I think that it is not right that they straight up refunded. Uh, they should have done what they did with the USFL when they had that issue, where like you could see the ownership from the for, from all of the games or whatever, and people were making late swaps based on the ownership that they saw. Um, and then what they did there was they just refunded if you lost money, but then they let the winners keep the money. That's the way that they should have done it here. Which would have been great for you because then you would have three extra money on those two. Right, right. right. It, w- it wouldn't have made that but, big of a difference. But, but regardless, th- there were why are you screwing people. users for a mistake that you made? Right. That, that and that's the thing. Like it's this whole situation is so weird. I, I don't, I don't understand why they decided now was the time to add in late swap because like. I, to my knowledge. Too many complaints. They're chirping. People, the yeah, people with I mean, $8 in play when they get a zero two or three times a year. Yeah. Oh my God, customer support tickets. I got to chirp, 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 chirp. Of course, the people that are spending, I, I had like $3,600 in play. I got a zero when Romanoff fight got canceled earlier. The Cerrone Lausanne fight from earlier this year, I had like 88% of the fight. Yeah. Right? But between both sides, Zero zero and it sucks. Yes, I agree. It sucks, but that's that's what happens. Like I'd but rather like that than me have to monitor everything for six hours. My point here isn't even that like people have complained. People complain about this kind of thing all year, like all the time. There hasn't been anything within the last like what month, two months, three months. When was the last cancellation that screwed people? Uh, I don't remember. I guess it was it, a while was ago. It? It was a while ago, a couple of months ago. So, like, why now? I just don't get it. I just don't understand why, like, there there hasn't been anything that has screwed people in the in a recent sample. Well, I people think I think what ended up happening, James, is mm-hmm. that those two cancellations were like three weeks apart. So, like, in three weeks, there was the Romanov fight that got canceled and the Cerrone Lausanne fight that got canceled. And I maybe at that point, because remember, this is a big company now. DraftKings isn't oh, yeah. like just a maybe startup. Maybe they've been working on it for a couple months. Right. And that's why they sent out surveys. Like they sent out surveys to, to MMA people. Or I mean, I got one. I know a lot of people that did get one. They gave us three choices and like to fill out feedback. And my attitude was that the best, if you wanted to implement the best solution, number one would be if a fight gets canceled, Unlock that fight so you could switch out to anyone, anyone else. But that's yep. that's the only time you could do that. But the, the response back from that is that well, you get to know all the ownership percentages because everything locks at once. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't think it's as big of a deal. I'd rather yeah. that once in a blue moon, a slate happens where we already know what the two fighters are, but now everyone's swapping off of them to other people. Then so be it. I think yeah. the second best, the second best solution is. Give them like walkover points, like in tennis. Like, give them enough points that they help people cash, but probably can't win first place. Yeah, so, like, if you give a favorite 70 and an underdog 30, 
no matter what their price is, that's probably like that's satisfactory enough for people that it got canceled, but you ain't gonna you ain't gonna win with a canceled fighter yeah. with those points. And then like the worst solution is what they did. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree. I, I think that there have been there there's been so many other solutions that, that could have been implemented here if they really felt like they needed to add a late swap. I, I I don't understand why they felt the need to do this one way or another, but if they were going to add this, like there were so many other solutions that would have made more sense and been better for the ecosystem, considering if you ask before this, if you asked any solid GPP player, any solid pro player about what sport had like the best edge in the industry right now, it would have been MMA. Like it, it just would have been MMA period. Well, now and it's then, bigger now. It's bigger now. It just, it's a pain in the ass. Right. Well, no, it's, it's bigger now, but I don't, I don't know. Okay. So I want, I want to hear you. No, I, I guarantee you it's bigger because I, I essentially won yesterday by accident, by because optimizing of, for the wrong, talk. like, like, Look at this lineup. This is a small field contest. I purposely played small field. I, yeah, I did throw my eight lineups into the large field anyway. But I keep on telling people in, in our Discord and in other Discords that people are going to play this the wrong way. They're going to swap thinking the opposite. Like we had, there was a whole conversation on, does this incentivize to play early fighters? Because, like, once you know, it's like, oh, early underdogs, if they score big, now you know to, like, swap to all the chalk. And I go, think in a broad sense. We talk about this, James. We talk about it in the theory of DFS, in the in the first fundamentals masterclass, about what game theory is from an information standpoint. The more information you have, the closer to optimal you can make your decisions. Right. No matter what they are, it's the, if you... In a 12-fight card, before any of the fights happen, you have what information? You have nothing. You don't know what your opponents are going to do. You could guess what your opponents are going to do, and you have no idea what happened in the fights. Now, after fight one, with late swap, you'll know what? You'll know the ownership of the first two fighters, and you also know, before the fight even starts, you'll know, because they'll lock it, and then you'll know the ownership. And then 15 minutes later, you'll know the results of that yeah. fight. And then from there, you could go, okay, now that I know this, what should my lineups look like? What, what should, am, am I playing for first place? Am I playing for min cash? If you, if you, on the payout structure, payout structures are hockey stick shaped. So yeah. if I bring this up, I'm going to go hockey stick graph. It's very important even for other sports. Like we look for, I mean, where's a hockey stick growth graph or, I mean, I'm just bringing this up. Most of the pay, most of the equity is in this top top range, the top one percent. Now, if 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 let's say in the first fight, a hundred and twenty point underdog happens, and you don't have them, all of this equity is gone for you. Yeah, like all the equity that's left is this flatter part, which means it doesn't matter if you come in a hundredth place or you come in a thousandth place. So your goal is to optimize for a thousandth place at that point. Now, if you have that fighter, now you're optimizing for the top. 0.1%. Now you're optimizing for that. So the more information that you have, the more you should know how to build your lineups. So what I did, right? So many people are thinking the opposite, right? They think in terms of, oh, I don't have this fighter. Now let me swap to lower owned stuff. It's like, no, you, this, this isn't like NFL or NBA where there's a 500 options. 
There are 24 options on this fight. You don't have, if you don't have the, the optimal guy early, you're dead to first place. Pretty, You're pretty much dead to first place. You're dead to that upper end of the hockey stick. So don't optimize it. Why are you playing a 6% on guy that almost has no chance to win? What, so you could go from out of the money to 500th place instead of out of the money to in the money. The difference right. between min cash and 3X isn't worth taking on the additional risk. So what I did, uh, most, a lot of my lineups had Jennifer, have swapped onto Jennifer Maya. Now, Jennifer Maya was a $7,200 underdog against Marina Morose. It was projected to be a low-scoring fight. It was projected to go to decision. I mean, this is the fight most likely to go to decision. And Maya doesn't really fight in a way that she has much of a ceiling with scoring. But this is actually a closer fight that she could maybe win. She could win a decision, and it'll at least go three rounds. And even if she loses, you may get 40 points, right? You may get 45 points in a loss. So... Once I saw there was a the Tercios Natividad fight happen. Tercios scored 116 at 8600. He was at that point he he had a very very high likelihood of being optimal. I didn't have any Tercios. I didn't play him at all. I played Natividad in actually three lineups, and he actually he scored pretty well for for a 7600 dollars underdog, 74 mm-hmm. points. It was a very uh, he had seven takedowns. It was a very action packed fight. But I knew at that point it's like. I have Sherman and Kutalaba in my lineups, which are two popular underdogs that have high ceilings, but they have very low floors because they're pro- this fight probably ain't going three rounds. This fight, either they win in the first or second round or they lose and they get like eight points. So once I saw that I did not have Tercios, I started swapping my Kutalaba and Sherman lineups to Maya. Why? Because I'm trying to rescue min cash equity. I don't need... Well, what happens if Sherman knocks him out in the first round and scores 110 points? It's like, well, he's 35% owned, and I'm not going to win anyway. Yeah, you're already dead. Right, I'm I'm already dead to first place, in large field at least. Yeah. So I switched to Maya, and it it turns out this is a slate where where Maya was the only underdog to win under under 8,000. So Maya ended up optimal with 78 points. Even though not in this lineup, I didn't have Tercios, but this is a smaller field contest. So I, I won this without Tercios, primarily because I had Natividad, who got 74 in a loss, but still outscored half the slate. It was a very low-scoring slate. So my swap to, uh, like, Maya, Demopolis, these, these fights that are more projected to go the distance, to save me win equity, it just was a low-scoring slate anyway, and it, I lucked into the fact that Maya was the only dog under 8K to win. And uh, in a small field contest like the 555, that was good enough for for first place. But so many people were trying to do the opposite, James. So many people are like, I don't have Tercios. Let me play Danny Roberts, the biggest dog on the slate, at like 8% on against Della Maddalena. I'm like, no, you should be rushing to get Della Maddalena into your lineups. They're like, what? He's going to be like 50, 55% owned. I go, yeah. But you already have a loss in your lineups. Like, just try to get five wins. Get five wins, cash the lineup, and move on and survive in advance for tomorrow. What are you trying to do by making up ground for what? You can't win first place. So, like, just get five wins. Can you get five wins in the other, other spots? If you're down two losses, can you get four wins? Just try to get four wins. Don't worry about the amount of points that you scored. Just what's the best way to get four wins? Now, once you're down to three losses, 
Now you probably got to do some weird stuff. Yeah. Right. Right. So that's how you should really be thinking about it. And that's why for this first late swap slate, I chose to only play eight lineups so I could focus primarily just so I could sit on my couch and go, okay, which way would, would I go for this lineup? Which way do I go for that lineup? Who should I swap out for there to rescue this? Right after Demopolis put up a 99-point score at 8,000, I'm like, okay, she's probably going to be optimal. So those lineups that I'm playing with her in it, I want to maximize for ceiling. I want to try to win first place. And then Tercios fight happened, and the Demopolis lineups that didn't have Tercios, which was none because I didn't play him, I'm like, okay, time to switch. Time to get Della Madalena in the lineup. Time to get, at that point, uh, Spivak into the lineup. And then, of course, the Spivak fight got canceled, and that ended up being Waldo called Cortez Arcasta. You know, you're moving stuff around. But I don't think many people are thinking like that. They're actually, they're using late swap, and then they're using it wrong. So to me, it's like a double edge, especially in smaller field contests. I I, I think people are making mistakes. Yeah, I mean, I, I can absolutely agree that people are making mistakes. Uh, and, and I think that, I, I, I want to clarify because I, I said it on Twitter that I said that I thought that the edge was going to be cut in half for the overall of the field. Like I, I thought that there was going to be more edge for the people who are doing what you're doing and for the people who are um, paying attention to the entire slate and re-optimizing and rerunning sims and everything like that. Like there is an obvious edge gained there based on late swap. We see it in every other sport where you have late swap, where if you're re-optimizing based on your knowledge, you're going to get an edge. But I think that MMA is unique, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, because the duplication factor is so high in MMA. And in large field contests, maybe not in small field, I think I can fully agree with you in small field, but in large field contests, do you think that there becomes a point uh, in the near future where because of the way that it's played and because of the way the late swap is enacted based on people who are rerunning sims, do you think that the duplication factor on winning lineups will go up because of late swap in large field contests? And thus, that was my point when I said that the edge would be cut for everyone, not necessarily because I think that there is no edge gained from late swap, but because MMA is unique in that the duplication factor is high, even if you use late swap correctly, and even if you're rerunning all the sims correctly, because of all the information that you gain it's going to mean that the winning lineups in large field contests are going to be duplicated maybe five, six times more than they were before late swap was enacted. No, I agree. I talked about that with, uh, with nerdy tenor uh, last week that if you're, if you're the type of person that's like, I'm going to build lineups with 1500 left on the table and be unique. It's like, I could get to those lineups with late swap. I mean, right. I could get like, yeah, at the start, I have a 49, nine lineup, but at the end I have a 48, four lineup. So like, like, by the end, people that didn't originally have a unique or a two-duped or a three-duped lineup could still get to your lineup, or vice versa. You could get to their lineups. It's 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 gonna it's gonna make for much overall in the long run, there'll be more duplicated winners and less solo winners. But of course, in smaller field contests, you don't have to worry about that as much because yeah, you know, this contest I'm competing against what? How many people were in it? 300? Something like that. Yeah, and the duplication factor on, on smaller fields is always going to be way lower. My my point for that was main was mainly in the the main GPP, where I I think that especially if you're max entering and, and you're going up against guys who are rerunning sims, like that is going to be hard, and it it really does switch the onus 
to focusing a lot more on smaller field if you want to extract the edge from MMA. But that sucks because the product itself has gotten so much worse with this change for especially the casuals. I mean, if you're a casual and you're playing MMA. No, they love it, James. They, the casuals love it. Dude, if you're playing, if you are a casual player and you're playing MMA DFS, you're basically just drawing dead, like right from the they start. They love it, James. All over Twitter, when the fight got canceled, the casuals were, they were out in the streets. They were you're celebrating. Legit, you're legit dead on arrival. Like as soon as lock hits, you're legit dead on arrival. I, I don't think that, and it's funny because like I worked really hard to develop a pretty good MMA ownership algorithm. Like it's it's been pretty good this year. Does not matter at all anymore literally does not matter at all anymore because like as soon as late as soon as late swap gets enacted with ownership on something that has so few fighters and so few people and so many people that like like you said you don't even know the the lineups that you initially entered you know that you won with the lineup that you swapped a million times but like the the ownership at the end of the contest is going to be nothing like the ownership at the beginning of the contest and that just even from a, I don't even play MMA DFS. And from a modeling standpoint, I'm annoyed at the late swap stuff because it ruins one of the algorithms that I worked hard on. Uh, and that's just, that's frustrating. So I, I think that overall, to wrap this up in a neat little bow, uh, if you are going to play MMA DFS, you should be playing smaller fields. And if you're a casual, just you don't even enter the large field. Casuals contract. aren't watching this show. You're just dead. I'm just so annoyed about it. I'm just on you a can, You can tell how many people late swap because a lot of people are like, well, how many people are actually going to do it? And I'm not talking about like interfight, but like if a fight gets canceled. Well, the Spivak Lewis fight was projected owned in total combined 75 to 80%. Yeah. Yeah. It ended up when that fight locked 9% combined ownership. So how much of the field, like that much of the field was aware. That hey, you gotta get you gotta swap your lineups out. So like people are still paying attention. Well, and they I do. Think- it's it's not like the old days, like four years ago when DraftKings didn't have those little updates that they send you. Because now DraftKings, as soon as there's something that affects your lineup, like yesterday, I didn't even have Aaron Gordon in my lineups. Right, I, I took him out of all my lineups before lock. I was able to rerun for it, but he got scratched like six minutes before lock or something. And like three minutes after lock. I got a notification from DraftKings like, oh, Aaron Gordon's out. Better check your lineups because I had a bunch of him like five minutes before lock or something. And I got not only a notification on DraftKings, but I also got an update on Twitter and I got an email from DraftKings telling me that Aaron Gordon was scratched. And it's like, wait wait a couple of days. You're going to get a letter in the mail. I I probably will. I'm going to get a carrier pigeon flying in my freaking window, man. Right. Uh, Aaron Gordon scratched. Just want to send you a, a letter. Four years ago, three years ago, four years ago, we didn't have that. And so if if this kind of thing was happening back then, I, I would think that not as many people would have swapped off of that fight. It probably would have been like 15, 20% or something. Like a lot of people still would have swapped off of it. But now you, you get four different notifications that a fight is canceled. So I don't even think that it's that people are paying attention. I think that it's just like you have your phone glued to your freaking nose and like, of course you're going to see the fight got canceled. So uh, yeah, people are going to swap off these things, but that doesn't, that doesn't do anything for him, man. Even just swapping off that fight, it's still dead. I'll, so I'll take the 30 grand though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, stick to that's the small field stuff. You're going to run the small field stuff for a little while. I think. 
for like for like four weeks, Blender, I think that you're just gonna crush it. And then well, I mean, like, I you still you still have to roster the right. I mean, it's just a matter yeah. of swapping when you when which way should you be swapping? Like I I mean that's right. Uh, that's the highlight. I, I highlighted that on Friday. I like, the right thought on it, and eventually algorithms are going to catch up to it. But on small field, it's not going to matter as much because you can't you can't spread around your hedge as much. You can't you can't get as much equity in. Okay, so Just let's wait. talk about NFL now. I don't want to talk about NFL. You don't want to talk about one of the low. It's in recent memory, it's one of the lowest scoring slates that I could remember. Right? Yeah, it was tragic. Why is that tragic? Don't we like low scoring slates? Uh, yeah. Okay. So yes and no. I think that low scoring slates are great because all the chalk fails, but I like low scoring slates where all the chalk fails and then the pivots to the chalk do well and neither did well. No, but they did do well. Amari Cooper did well. Devontae Adams did well. But they weren't okay. your pivot. Oh, 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 James. Now I'm now now I'm getting it. No, no. I, I had to no, no, the pit, I had, Your I pivots didn't do well. But I'm no. saying there were people that there were players that did do well. There there were players that did well. I think that like uh, that. So yes, Devontae Adams did well as a pivot, and I liked Devontae Adams quite a bit. Uh, Amari Cooper. I was <laughs> man. All these people who talk about home road splits, I've ignored them for years. I've ignored them for years, Jordan. And then finally this week, I'm like, man, this this is a spot where Amari Cooper is probably going to be higher on than he deserves to be because the game total has gotten pushed up. He's been trash, uh, you know, when when he's playing on the road and, like, he's, he's just been bad. Donovan Peoples-Jones is cheaper. I like David Njoku as a pivot off Tyler Higby. Like, I am not on Amari Cooper this week. I'm going to listen to the home road splits maxis i'm gonna buy into the bitcoin that is home road splits and i'm I'm gonna fade him and then he crushes uh so that that was annoying but i I mean i was on i was on some of the pivots i was on the the Bengals game i really liked that Bengals spot that was great um but i think that low scoring slates where every game mostly sucks except for the games that are like why would you really stack that um and even if you did stack it, like the, the Dallas and, and Minnesota game, that game scored a whole lot of points, but it was all Tony Pollard and the Vikings just got trashed. Imagine so, sitting there with this 37 to three score. I know. And you're going, okay, I got Dak, Lamb, and Schultz. Let me check my lineups. Yep. What happened? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's that frustrating. Um, I, I had the Minnesota side of that because of course I did. Uh, Cousins got sacked, what, seven times? I don't know, man. This guy is just, he always falls apart when he faces the, the Cowboys. It's every single time. But uh, I, I don't know. I just, I thought the slate was, um, I was fine with like being on the pivots, but even the pivots that I thought were going to be good pivots ended up being higher than they want. Like I, I really liked Kenny and Drake. And granted, I knew that he was going to be more than like the 5% owned. That, yeah, that everyone had to update that. What are people complaining about? No, Gus no, Edwards I, I, gets ruled out, and everyone's like, "Well, well, we had like three percent ownership on Drake." It's like, yeah, that's with Gus Edwards in. Yeah, you have well, to, you have to, you, once you take him out, he's going to be like fifteen to twenty percent owned. When you rerun the own, when you rerun optimals, like Kenyon Drake was up there. Like he, he wasn't in the optimal, but he was up there. And so, yeah, I, I figured he was going to be you know fifteen twenty percent owned. I figured that, and then he ends up thirty six percent owned, and I'm like. Pfft. 
I, I wouldn't have played him at 36% owned. I would have played uh, basically anyone else, right? Like he's not that good of a play. So I, I just think that some of the some of it was a little bit frustrating. Some of the the plays that were high owned ended up getting there when it was like an annoying fashion. Like Stefan Diggs, uh, he only scored 14 points, but like he still had a touchdown and a touchdown on the slate got you places. So I don't know. It was it was kind of an annoying slate. I did okay, but uh the my distribution of lineups, you know how you build lineups for contests. We talk about this in theory of DFS. So you you should build lineups to have the best equity for their contests, right? So I was like, okay, uh, I'm going to split things up. I had a, an entry in, in the SPY, I had an entry in the $50, and I had an entry in $33, right? So I, I had those splits. <coughs> the uh, the 33 was my Bengals stack because I thought that that lineup needed the highest ceiling and the lowest ownership. The $100 was the Minnesota stack, which I thought was the best game-to-game -game stack and I thought would have the most ownership. And it's always so frustrating when you end up with the lineup in the lowest dollar contest that should be in the highest dollar contest and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, yeah, but that's uh, the yeah. right process though. It's the, the right process. The borough stacks projected much lower than the other stacks. Yeah. Because the over under was only like what? 39 or something like that. 40 really and a half. half. 49. Yeah. So, and, and I get it. Like, I'm not saying that the process was wrong. And I, I also don't want to be the guy that says, Oh, you know, the process, well, well, whatever. But um, you know, just when I said, I don't want to talk about the NFL slate, it's because it's just, it was annoying. I had, I stacked all the late games. And I was like, yeah, PMR is going to come out ahead here. <laughs> the late the games best. never shoot out. Someone, someone, someone told me that. They never shoot out. They never shoot out. So it was kind of frustrating. So how, how did you do? How did you in cash? I did great in cash because uh, I, I went, I, I didn't play, I didn't play the popular lineup or one of the popular lineups. Did you have Pollard in cash? Nah, who would play Pollard in cash? No, I mean, I'm, no, I'm asking. I'm just no. asking. I, I don't think you no. Do. no, 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 no. I, I, I ended up like my cash line. I mean, I'll bring up the cash game stuff. I mean, I, I, I mean, I swept pretty much. I think I won like ninety five percent of my head to heads. Mm -hmm. And but I had all the I had the Pittsburgh defense. I had Paris Campbell. Yeah. I had David Montgomery. I had Kenyon Drake. Right. I had yeah. Stefan Diggs. Yeah. I had uh, CD Lamb. I had uh, Damian Pierce with three points. And you're like, well, how did, how did you sweep everything? Well, because they're all high owned. I, I mean, I know how they swept. No, I had Lamb and Diggs and Campbell. Now, Lamb only put up nine points. Stefan Diggs put up 14 points. But how would you get to two high-priced wide receivers? Uh, did you pay down a quarterback? Yeah, I played Daniel Jones over Josh Allen. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. There's my little sneaky voice. Sneaky, sneaky. I mean... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Damn, no, damn. but the thing is, I, I played Dawson Knox at tight end. Uh, I prioritize getting the three workhorse, quote-unquote workhorse running backs. Like yeah. I'm like, just give me Montgomery. Give me Pierce. Give me Drake. Run me down with your two tight end lineups. Just run, just yeah. run me down. And then I didn't want to play two 4K wide receivers. I didn't want to play Donovan Peoples Jones and Paris Campbell. That's a recipe for two like five point games. Like, right. I mean, so it's like, how do I not do a two tight end construction? How do I not do a two 4K wide receiver construction? How do I get those three running backs in? The only way to really do it is play pay down a quarterback. So yeah, I'm like, yeah. okay. Quarterback, whatever. Give me, give me a rushing quarterback. Give me Daniel Jones against the against the Lions, and uh, and, and and there you go. And then I'm able to to go up. And but the thing is, is that I have Diggs and Knox in my lineup. So from a cash game perspective, if Allen does do well, at least I'm getting probably those points. Yeah. Some of those points, at least. If if Diggs has two touchdowns and Knox has a touchdown, yeah, Josh Allen gets four points, but I'm also getting the sixes. So like. Like I, if I were to fade Allen, like I could have played another lineup that didn't have digs in it and didn't have knocks in it that I actually preferred. Mm -hmm. But then I thought the the failure rate was too high because if Allen did well, like, like people would have digs and people would have knocks also. So like, I'm real, I'm, I'm, I'm upping the variance when I shouldn't be upping it that much. Yeah. I'm already upping it by going down to Jones over Allen. I don't want to up it more by not having digs and knocks when Allen is going to be popular anyway. So that, that was my <coughs> thought process for that. But uh, in GPP, I mean, we see here the top eight scores on the slate were all single digit owned. Yeah. Devontae Adams at 1% owned is insane. Well, Patrick Sertain, aren't you afraid of the wide receiver cornerback matches, matchups? Literally never. The only thing that I care about, Jordan, is home road splits. I'm now a oh, home road the, both of the, but whoever Whoever touts those... They got double. They got double pile driver, uh, <laughs> right? Amari Cooper and Devonte Adams, right? Yeah. Or or people that were like uh, maybe uh, no. Truthfully, like Zeke Elliott got a lot more work than like this is another game where Pollard puts up thirty nine point nine points. But if I told you how many snaps he played in comparison to Zeke, you probably wouldn't have played him at sixty five hundred. I no. And imagine me telling you that that uh that the Bengals were going to score uh, that their backfield would score uh, three touchdowns. And you'd be like, Oh yeah, well let jam in Mixon. It's like, no, that's the right. P Ryan. It's like, well, did Mixon get injured? It's like, yeah, but after P Ryan already scored two touchdowns. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Tony Pollard, you know, I actually had Tony Pollard projected pretty well. Um, and I depended on how many, how, how much split you gave him some, some that there was a beat reporter or some beat reports that, they were like, well, Pollard is going to get more of a bulk, the bulk end. Yeah. So Zeke may just be like eased in. Uh, so people projected like a bigger workload for Pollard over Zeke, yeah. but it, I don't think it happened. I, I mean, I think it was like 60, 40. Yeah. I, well, and that's basically what I had. I think I had, I think I had him at like a 49, I think in terms of rushing work, cause he's always had more receiving work. I think I had him at like maybe 50% of the rushing work and then like 9% targets or something. 
And then Zeke, I had, I think, 38% of the rushing work and like 5% of the targets or something. But Tony Pollard, I, I had him projected basically the same as Damian Pierce after the news came out. And I probably should have made a switch to him, but I didn't need to. Like I, I had so much relative value for my stacks because I wasn't stacking the main games. Like there, there wasn't any reason for me to go with Tony Pollard over Damian Pierce just at, a, at an ownership drop. Like I might as well eat Damian Pierce. And I, I thought that Pierce was a really, really good play against Washington, who I thought was was going to lose that game. And they end up winning because Tyler Heineke drinks Bush light. Uh, so I don't, Pollard, Pollard had projected for like 14.6. If I have more lineups, I probably would play a little bit more of him. But um, I'm surprised he came in as low as he did. At, at any time that there's news that Tony Pollard is going to have like three more touches than the game before, his ownership should skyrocket like 15% because of this freaking industry. And I'm surprised it didn't here. Well, no, all that ownership went to Brian Robinson because running backs against the Texans apparently means that even though you're in a split load backfield and you catch no passes, you should probably play him at 5,300 at 23% ownership. I don't understand people. I had like four questions at least of like, Oh, should I play Brian Robinson this week? What do you think about Brian Robinson? Is Brian Robinson a good play? I'm like, what? One, no. Two, <laughs> if you're going to play a Washington running back, why not play Gibson? Yeah, right. I played I, I, I played 15 lineups and I had Gibson in four of them. Yeah, what? why would you play Brian Robinson in this situation? Like, there's Because well, no they gave him 26 carries the week before. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah but they yeah, also called, I think they had like 83 plays the week before. I mean, like. It was the context of the game and how many, mm-hmm. how much possession they had. Like in that game, that was the game against what the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. that was a game where the where the where the, where the, where the Commanders had like had the ball for like forty six minutes of the game. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't understand people who want to make those kind of decisions. Like I, I thought that if you were looking at the running back slate this week, I, I don't know. Brian Robinson is maybe like. I had why, not Brian play, why not play Devin Singletary? Yeah, I had Brian Robinson project for 10 points. Here's a list of running backs above him that I had projected for more. Michael Carter at 5,400. Najee Harris at 5,500. Antonio Gibson project for 13 at 5,600. Devin Singletary project for 14 at 5,800. Like, yeah, Where's I, Robinson here on my aggregate? Where, where Where's Robinson? What did I have Robinson at? Rob Robinson, 11.5. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but it's, yeah, but it's similar to Najee. Like, dude, people play Brian Robinson, but didn't play Najee Harris. Didn't play Devin Singletary. Like I said, Jamal, look at Jamal Williams. Yeah. I had Jamal Williams in my aggregate at 12.28. I, I had him at 11.67. Right. You can't play dude. Jamal Williams. All he does is run the ball in from the two-yard line. Yeah, all he does is score touchdowns. Like what? What else? What else is Brian Robinson going to do? Run the well, ball that, in at the what two yard line? Here's okay. So here's the thing, though. When you look at the difference between those two running backs, right? Like they definitely get points the same way, mm-hmm. but Detroit is definitely in position to do this more often. I, I no 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 no. I I I disagree with you there. I, I think, think it's they're proven out. I think the 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 better concept to talk about. Is not don't talk football. Talk they're both similar roles. The workhorse non-receiving back touchdown dependent. 
I mean, literally, why is why is one four times more owned than the other? Like, yeah. like if you're going to play Brian Robinson, why not play Najee Harris? Why not play Jamal Williams? Why not play Deonta Foreman? Why not play why not Melvin Michael Gordon? Carter. Why, Michael Carter? Why? I mean, we're just naming all the running backs that have the same exact profile. But it's the Texans' run defense. Oh my God! Well, then they shouldn't be five times more owned. But I do agree with uh, Devin in the in the YouTube chat. I thought uh, I thought Pierce was d- d- from a ceiling perspective. Why the Texans are the worst team in the league? Yeah, I know that he's on the field ninety percent of the time, but that doesn't mean they score. You need touchdowns I, to get I a thought ceiling. That they were gonna win, Jordan. I uh, thought no, that they no, were gonna the, win. They were they were underdogs. They were three point underdogs. They've been good at home, and Washington ran eighty nine million plays in the same on a short week. Off an emotional Yeah, but that's what happens when you have Davis Mills at quarterback. Well, Davis Mills has been good at home. I think they're one and eight. They're one and eight. What do you mean good at home? Go go look up his go look up his stats at home. Hold on, hold on, James. Didn't we talk about like literally 10 minutes ago that home road splits don't mean anything? I told you that now, starting this week, I am a home away maxi. I am the person who is going to tell you whose home road splits matter. And Amari Cooper, they, they don't matter anymore, but Mills, they do matter. No, no, that's what I'm saying. I, I played Davis Mills this week because of his home away split. You played him? <laughs> no, no. I, I I played Damian Pierce specifically because I thought that Houston was going to be good this week. Yeah, but because... Damian Pierce maybe has horrible home road splits, but Mills doesn't. Right, but my my thinking here, let, let me get out my home away splits. Okay, this, 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 uh, please everyone disregard the next three minutes and, and use for your DFS process. This, please, is, please clearly, this is clearly a bit. Yeah, this, this is absolutely a bit. But uh, yeah, I so I think that uh, for, for the next two minutes, this is a bit. Please let me have my bit. Okay, I'm not um, going to interrupt you like I normally would. Thank you. So uh, Amari Cooper was a bad play this week because his home road splits are really, really bad. And he does really bad on the road, but he's really good at home over the last three years. Um, Please disregard from this logic that he has played for the Cowboys in a different stadium. And now he plays for the Browns and his home away splits should matter. Uh, And then Davis Mills, who his home home away splits matter here because uh, they were playing at home. And if Davis Mills plays well, then Damian Pierce has a chance to run the game out because Davis Mills played well enough to get Houston the lead. And that's why those things matter. Continue. You're, you're still muted because you didn't want to interrupt me. Yeah, no, yeah, I muted myself and I, I, I checked my soccer scores because uh, <laughs> I wasn't going to – anything that you said was going to have no productive value whatsoever. No, no um, yeah, so – Again, now that now that we're through that, don't use home road splits as justification for doing things. Just or or I think the to me, I, I instead of saying that, I go if it mattered, it would be in the projections. Yeah, it would be baked. So so now you don't even have to look at it. So like maybe they matter a lot, and it's already incorporated into the projections. They're mm-hmm. they're not, they don't matter a lot, and they're pretty much not included in the projections because they don't matter. Right. But you could at least put in your mind that anything that you'd look at. Are in the projections, and then you, then we don't need to have these questions anymore. Is to have a wide receiver cornerback matchups? It's in the project. It don't worry. It's in the projections, and then it's not in the projections because it doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, Damian Pierce. I I thought that Damian Pierce was not incredible chalk, but I was okay. Again, when I build for these contests, like I'm building the way that 
I'm building in relative value that I need. I, I had all low owned stacks. There was no reason for me to get off running back chalk that I thought was already pretty good and projected pretty well. Like the only running back that I had above Damian Pierce in that price range was Ramondre Stevenson. And I was less comfortable with that game than I was with Houston for whatever reason. I'm not sure. I, was, why. I, I played uh, my I three Lamar Jackson lineups. Mm. I was playing Lamar. I played some Lamar. I played Jacoby Brissett on the other okay. side of the Bills game. That's fair. So I was playing like Brissett plus either one of DPJ or Cooper and Njoku and then run that back with Diggs or Davis yep. or Singletary or something that, like that. That's the right way. Because everyone was playing the Allen side and the Brissett side was cheaper. And then in those lineups, you know what I could do in those lineups? I could pay up for Saquon Barkley's five points. There you go. <laughs> but but again, I mean, Saquon Barkley was going to be high-owned, and it's okay to do that when you have Jacoby Brissett in your lineup. Like, it, it doesn't matter. It's I should have played Matt Breida. He got the touchdown. That That's why I said the slate sucked. <laughs> this, this slate didn't suck because I lost money. The slate sucked because things that suck happened. And like, I, mean, I, I, didn't, like, lose, I didn't lose money yesterday. I, I, I lost a little on FanDuel. Made a bunch on DraftKings. I probably uh, and, and made okay. money in GPP. I mean, I cashed. I, I out of my sixteen lineups, I got like two or three of them were like four Xers, mm-hmm. and like two or three of them were min cashers. And there, the others didn't cash. But I mean, I I ended up making a couple of hundred on the the GPP lineups, but primarily just avoiding, just avoiding the bad, like not playing much of Damian Pierce in my yeah. GPP lineups, or uh, you know, or. Or like uh, Paris Campbell, like I'm not playing Paris. Like, come on, really? Am I no, playing I Paris that. Campbell chalk? Am I playing Pittsburgh Steelers defense chalk? Right. Probably not. Yeah, I, I mean, I did okay. Like, I, I only built three lineups and one of them cash. I'm I'm happy with that. Like, that's that's. Now we got two slates. Say that again. We got two slates coming up. <sighs> yeah, I know. It's such a busy week, man. Um, I and and Thanksgiving slates are fun. There's a lot of game theory in Thanksgiving slates, so I I like those, but. And it's just a lot of work, especially since I'm doing the showdown season articles. Like, I'm gonna have like six showdown season articles this week. That sucks. That's a lot. So, not excited about that. But, um, but do do what I do and just don't do that content. But it's really it's really good, and I enjoy doing it. Like in the same way that you enjoy doing podcasts and stuff like that. I I enjoy writing those articles. Um, I wish that I could be writing more stuff for NBA. But I do have NBA writers now, which is pretty. NBA cool. is is awful. <laughs> I mean, NBA. I mean, dude, I I haven't played an NBA slate in a week. It's and I bad. just I look even on the, like yesterday. I'm like, look, I like because I get the notifications in my Twitter feed. I'm like, dude, how does anyone play this? This is just this is this is ridiculous. I mean, this it's is just brutal. Every day, 47 injuries and and half of them aren't even on the report and you don't know what the starting lineups are going to be. And they tell you one thing and there's some like Keldon Johnson starts and is going to play. And then he's going to be on the bench and then he's going to be out. And then yep. it's like, what you, you get popped and then you get reverse popped and then you get reverse, reverse popped. No. And then it's it, it, it. How is it? Enjoy, it's to me. I would actually be more inclined to play if they didn't even have late swap. Oh, I would too. Right, just like at seven o'clock or whatever, they just said you got to decide whether or not you think this guy's going to play, and then just uh, roll the dice. And at least then I could just not, not be just constantly on red alert for three hours. Yeah, no, it's brutal. Uh, and and this season, I I mean I I think that NBA this season because because I've been working on some things for uh for better 
projections and just like testing things out, which I do every NBA season, try to improve for next year. Um, this, this season has been really, really hard because ownership can't catch up. You can't possibly catch up with your ownership projections when things are changing as much as they are. So like the, the other day, I think I had Shake Milton projected at like 45% ownership with with the Philadelphia situation, which I don't even know if you were paying attention to, but like you can name any team. I'm assuming Harden and Embiid, everyone was out. And Mac, no, Max isn't Maxi injured for another for like yeah, a month? Yeah, Harden, Maxi, and Tobias Harris were all out, and so uh, and I think Furkan Korkmaz might have been out as well. So like Shake Milton was gonna he's gonna play right, and that's fine. It's fine. I had him projected okay. I had him projected like 45% ownership. That's fine. Comes in at 76% ownership, puts up 12x, right? Just nukes the slate at 76% ownership. And this wasn't like the, the Gordon Hayward situation from a couple of years back. Where he right, when he was priced at like 3K for no reason. Yeah, yeah. No, th- this is Shake Milton, who should be at 3K. Uh, and he just nukes the slate. And then that is followed up by Miami ruling out their entire starting roster. Except for Kyle Lowry. Oh, yeah, that was the one when Lowry put up like 80 points. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And going up against Washington. And Washington should be relegated for letting that Miami team score 70 first half points. And, and I had 80% exposure to one of two guys on that team that did not score over 20 fantasy points. Just tilting me to the moon. <laughs> uh, NBA is just, it's, it's a brutal exercise this year. Because ownership projections are hard to catch up on and dealing with the news like LeBron James was supposed to play yesterday. I, I didn't have that much Anthony Davis because LeBron James was like probable. Uh, and then he gets ruled out and Anthony Davis in 28 minutes puts up 78 fantasy points. <laughs> what are we doing here? It's so brutal. And he is a brutal. My, my life seems so much better where on like, like a Tuesday night. I'm just like, well, I just don't play and I could. I can enjoy the benefits of mother nature, even though I'm inside, but just like, wow, I'm not worried about anything and I don't have to do anything. And yeah. I can't lose any money with that. I don't, I can't, can't win any or anything, but I, I feel like what's going to happen after football. Cause like right now I'm very busy because the world cup just started. So that's going to be three weeks of soccer. Mm-hmm. So like I'm, I'm perfectly fine, not even playing NBA. And then we got, NFL, perfectly fine. We got showdowns Monday and Thursday. Okay, I'm good there. Got MMA, maybe not this week, but most Saturdays. Like, whatever. But then once football's done, once World Cup is over, yeah, I'll still, you know, still play the EPL Champions League. And then it's like, okay, now what do I do every day? Well, I guess I got to put up with NBA. Uh, You play hockey. Now I have to figure out what goalie starts and what the lines are. Isn't that a thing also in, in hockey? You never know what goalkeeper starts? Um, no, I mean, it's not as it's not near as brutal as NBA. Like, it's not even close to near as brutal as NBA. Uh, you can do pretty well. Like, uh, th- there are going to be some line swaps that you have to pay attention to, but not that many. And goalkeepers, uh, most of the time when it comes to goalkeepers, like, you're going to know in advance. Uh, there are going to be some questionables in some situations where you don't know. But most of the goalies are within that are close enough in price to each other that you can just make a swap and it's not that big of a deal. And goalie doesn't matter that much anyway. 
It's not like like, pitcher, like, like soccer goalies, right? Yeah, we've talked about this before. Up in the goalkeeper, air, gets the most saves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, goalkeeper. I mean, they're they're gonna regress to a ninety three percent save rate anyway. You just you just take whoever. So I, I think hockey, and and I think that a lot of um, a lot of high volume guys agree with me that hockey is probably or earlier. I said the MMA had the most edge before late swaps introduced. I think hockey probably has the second most edge because right. of the Devin, way Devin agrees with me. So it's playing like half the time with NBA instead of every slate is really helping my mental stability. Yeah, oh, yeah. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think and I think NBA um from a content provider standpoint like it's it's not really that What's hard the because point? I, I I can't believe I'm saying that. What's the Here at Roto Grinders, why don't you subscribe? We do tons of NBA content, but it just feel it feels like to me What's the point of looking at anything at 11 in the morning? Like, what's, no, the, I mean, like, not. Like, what's no. the point? There's not. The only thing that you should be doing is hitting props if you want to before before 11. And, and that's the only thing. Um, and, but then everything else is in the projections. Like, I, I understand the value. Let, dude, our projections here at Roto-Grinders are great. I mean, I that that's I just – something happens in NBA, a starting lineup comes out, I just hit the refresh button and, like, okay. But it's, like, from a content – like, imagine writing – a thousand word, five thousand word, whatever article. It's like, dude, everything I wrote, like, just yeah, set it on fire. Like, yeah. Is there I mean, any slate that ever happens in NBA that is even because you could even say on the two game slates that's not even true? That oh, nothing unexpected happened. No, every time no, something. No, unexpected. because it, it happens even more on the short slates because those are usually the slates where it's like towards the end of the week and maybe it's back to backs and maybe it's teams that have guys who are resting and in rest positions. And then you get these weird starting lineups that don't make any sense either. Or like yesterday, one of the most secure things that I thought we were going to have was Charles Bassey starting for um, the Spurs because there was no. Are we getting to that point of the season that they're playing guys I've never heard of? It's Dude. November twenty first. It's been it's, a month. It happens. It, it's like it's like the They're playing like creative the players now. I mean, come it's on. like the Halloween section at Target. Wonder it happens quicker every single year. Done with NBA in November. I know it's brutal, brutal. But I, I thought that was one of the most secure situations that we had last night. Was Charles Bassey starting because we did both the centers, the starting center and the backup center were both out. And then they start. When they start, hysterically when your sentence is the most secure situation we've had all year is Charles Bassey starting at center for the Spurs. That's the most secure thing we've had all year. That should that should just be the, the the clip that you highlight. If someone's <laughs> like, "Should I play NBA TFS?" <laughs> That's what it's gonna feel like. Where it's like, like, dude. Just lock in Charles Bassey. At least we know he's for sure. And people are looking at you going, who the hell is Charles Bassey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, welcome to NBA DFS, dude. Welcome to it. Uh, I guess we'll probably talk about some uh, tomorrow. I got to, hey, I, I do this show every day. I got to do it with to talk about. Right. So hit that thumbs up button on your way out the door, James. PaydirtDFS.com. You got, you, you got, you, you have NBA right. I do. Yeah, I, ha I have NBA writers. I have an article out every day. All the articles over on the site at paydirtdfs.com are free. Um, have another showdown season article tonight. Have NBA projections, NFL projections, NHL projections, and all the projections except for soccer because I don't know how to do it. And Blender, I, I have talked about it, and I probably wouldn't be good at it. So everything else, though, 
paterdfs.com. And you can find me on Twitter at pater underscore DFS. And you recently also made uh, made an update to the theory of DFS tools. I did, yeah. So uh, I had, it, it had come to my attention that if you were importing from SaberSim or Fancy Labs, uh, there it's just the player ID and not the player name, because why would you include the player's name in the export? That seems silly, right? Um, but if you were to import that, originally I had made a change that made it so you could see their names when you were trimming in the portfolio trimmer. Um, but in making that addition, I never made it so that you could then export those lineups after you saw their names, um, after you're done trimming. So I went in and I corrected that. So now there's an export tab where you can see all the lineups that you're exporting out after you have trimmed them. Um, so that, that should be a, a nice welcome change. Those changes uh, for seeing your exported lineups are going to come to the duplication predictor as well soon. Uh, because we are doing some trimming in that as well. So anywhere where you're trimming out your portfolio, um, that that functionality is going to be added this week. And and you don't even need to, if you're using a lineup HQ, you don't even have to worry about it. Nope. nope. Because we actually include the names and the IDs. I, I'm that that was such a tilting situation. Like, I I can't fathom why that would be your decision. But that's I that's why you, that's why people should sign up and get lineup HQ and and. Get the stuff here at Roto-Grinders. And if you want those tools and get the new 10-chapter audio course, Theory DFS, How to Apply Profitable DFS Strategies for Advanced Players, which includes James's custom tools for Microsoft Excel, including the lineup simulator, portfolio trimmer, portfolio correlation matrix, the duplication checker, contest reviewer, works for Excel, works for... It's built for DraftKings, but you can use it for FanDuel. Uh, as long as you have projections, I mean, if you have lineup HQ and you have these Excel tools, I have Excel open all the time and I use these tools every single day, either to trim lineups, to compare lineups, to sort lineups, to review contests, anything. So, uh, so pick that up theory of DFS.com. You can find James Paydirt underscore DFS me at blender HD. We got uh, we got uh, we got basketball tonight. We got we got some NBA grinders live later today. We got the NFL pre lock show, the pre lock show for uh, for Monday Night Football tonight. Uh, so check that out on the channel. Subscribe, hit the notification bell, and uh, and I'll, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Answering your DFS strategy questions like I always try to do here Monday through Friday, eleven o'clock Eastern, on the DFS pregame show on RotoGrinders.com. <laughs>